This is Mission Control Houston. Ignition sequence start. The reason I'm prepared for this position is because I've been preparing for this all my life. Our goal is to compete and, and really put a fun team on the court that really gets after it. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. We're very talented. I mean, we can go out there and compete at a high level and give a lot of effort. We can be a good team. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Will the Rockets ever win another game? They dropped their eighth in a row now without Christian Wood, losing to the Bulls by a final score of 120 to 100, falling to 11 and 18 on the season. What is up? And welcome to another episode of Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian, covering the Rockets for ESPN 97.5 and partner at Apollo Media. All Houston, all original. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, at ESPN 975, and at Apollo HOU. Now, joining us, I wish we could talk about some uh, a win, unfortunately, but joining us today to kind of break down what we saw in this game is good friend of the pod, uh, Grant Currington. You can follow him on Twitter at Currington Grant. He is coll- a collaborator of the Into the Lab podcast and the Blue Collar Media Group. What's up, Grant? How's it going? What's up, Jackson? I'm absolutely thrilled to be here, man. Thank you so much for uh, for reaching out to me and inviting me to be on the show. Uh, I wish we could have a little bit of a better game to have watched before my debut, but there were some bright spots in there. Yeah, no, we've got we've got some good stuff to talk about, but we've also got uh, a, a fair bit of bad stuff to talk about from this game. Unfortunately, just um, you know, some different standouts from this game, some maybe some questionable uh, lineup decisions by Steven Silas after seeing uh, how rough the starting lineup played in in the beginning part of the game, uh, not really adjusting things as the game went along. Uh, but I'll I'll tell you what, Grant, I'll let you uh, you can kind of you can kind of steer the ship a little bit. Do you want to talk about the bad stuff first and save the good for the end or do you want to talk about the bad the the good stuff first and then we'll get to the bad stuff down the line how do you want to do it i think earlier you said something about the game being a little bit of the good the bad and the ugly so let's let's go in that order Okay, let's go good, bad, and the ugly then. I like that. Um, I, I've done a good and the bad and the ugly podcast before. I like that theme. It very much uh, fits this this kind of game. So just right now, I mean, just looking down at the box score. Um, and, you know, I kind of categorized it, and I made sure to do this on Twitter before the game really got to true blue garbage time because I think Sterling Brown added, um, you know, a fair share of his contributions. Two, in this two game. threes and a couple uh, layups, I think, yeah. Yeah, in, in garbage time. And so to me, you know, he was kind of categorized in the okay category for me. I also put... Justin Patton in there, but to me, the the really good standouts from this game were absolutely Jay Sean Tate, Daniel House Jr., and then David Nwaba, who, if I'm going to elect uh, a player of the game from this one, it's got to be David Nwaba for the energy that he brings uh, to this team on a nightly basis. Uh, you know, those three were kind of the standouts to me. Do you agree with that? Oh, 100%. The, uh, I'd... I know you put Patton in the okay category, but for a guy who's played seven NBA games, I want to say, I want to say I saw bright spots from him, too. You know, you know what? I guess that's as good a place to start as any is the fact that we had the debut for uh, the newly brought up G League big man, Justin Patton. And he actually came out and he had a series of what was it? Two or three blocks in a row uh, in his first couple minutes in the game, uh, showing some really great defensive prowess. Um, he's got, you know, a, a great deal of length, some size. He's He looks very... 
What's the, what else word I want to look for? He's very Clint Capella-esque out there almost. Kind of the same build, um, that 6'11 frame. And yeah, wiry, real wiry. Absolutely wiry. And it was really great to kind of see him out there. And then offensively, he didn't really have a, a jump out game offensively in this one, unfortunately. But he was setting some good screens. He was very mobile. He looked, it was good to see another big out there similar to Christian Wood, who actually moves well on the floor, as opposed to DeMarcus Cousins, who has very much struggled to move up and down the floor, right? Oh, most definitely. He was he was hustling back. You saw uh, right after he got in the game, before he got any of those blocks, John Wall got fouled pretty hard, and he rushed in to help him up. He's he seems to be a pretty good class act. And and uh, pa- past him, I guess the my, you know what I was what I was really pleased to see in this one was Daniel House Jr., who has been absolutely struggling, been in a total shooting rut, just you know having a a really rough go of it. Came out and was at one point four four from behind the arc in this game before uh, he decided to airball a three pointer. And then of course the Rockets Twitter account um, being delayed and posting highlights. You and I both jumping out on Twitter. The floor. And, yeah, ca- ca- calling him out on this like they can't you can't highlight the uh, the four four three point shooting and then uh, right after he airballs the fifth one. But uh, a really great overall game from Daniel House Jr. He had 15 points, six boards, two assists, had a steal, shot five of nine from the floor. Would have liked to see him uh, have a little bit more success inside the arc, um, but he shot so well from outside the arc, I'm willing to excuse uh, his handful of misses from inside the arc in this one. Uh, but, you know, there, so we had, you know, kind of a, a bounce back game for Daniel House Jr., we had David Nwaba, who was absolutely the player of the game, with his 22 points, 9 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, 9 of 16 shooting, 1 of 3 from behind the arc, 3 of 5 at the charity stripe. Just a really well-rounded game for David Nwaba, and a guy who absolutely shows zero quit when he's out there. Whether the Rockets are you know up by 20 or whether they're down by 25, David Nwaba goes out and plays with the same level of hustle, energy, and effort every single game. And you come to really appreciate that, especially during the midst of this you know eight-game losing streak there's still this team is still almost kind of enjoyable to watch even when they're losing because of guys like David Nwaba like Jay Sean Tate those guys that it's so easy to cheer for them oh it's it's just so much fun watching this team uh you were you were mentioning that you uh would have liked to see a little more success inside from Daniel House and so while we while I was watching that game I was thinking because I I wasn't on Twitter too much during the game knowing I was going to be on here I didn't want to miss anything so uh uh I can appreciate that doing your homework yeah, good, I, I good on you. <laughs> didn't want, didn't want to get caught caught up on the TL, but I was uh, I was watching. I was a little afraid I was going to get on on and see uh, see some Daniel House slander. So I uh, I wanted to make sure I pointed out in that first half he was the contributing factor for Zach Levine only scoring seven points. He was giving him absolute fits off the ball. That's a that's a very great that's a very great uh, a great point to make there, um, and I think that's a, a point that has been somewhat lost even even at times by myself um, when it comes to Daniel House Jr. is despite his offensive woes, and I think this is something that can be said for really for the team at large. Yeah, a lot and, of our you know, team. <laughs> yeah, is is even though this team at times is, is, you know, total bottom of the barrel offensive team, they have a lot of great individual defenders. And at times, you know, when you have so many great individual defenders, you're able to then, you know, string together some really, uh, you know, really solid defensive possessions one after another. Their main issues have all been offensively um, since they since they lost Christian Wood. Now they have slipped quite a bit defensively as well. Um, but when you do have those great individual defenders like Daniel House Jr., really just, you know, down the entire roster, um, some really great plus defenders all down this Rockets roster. Uh, it is important to highlight that Daniel House Jr. has um, had some really good defensive outings despite his three-point shooting uh, being, 
you know, it, uh, in the tank, unfortunately, uh, for the for the better part of what it feels like, you know, two or three weeks now. But it was great to see him kind of, you know, come back and have a bounce back game offensively. And like you said, you know, being able to kind of contain Zach Levine until unfortunately you knew with with. The, well, OK, the so here's the thing. I, yeah, I wanted to it. I wanted to I wanted to wait till the bad to call it out because you're saying until the second half. But in the second half, who was guarding Levine? It wasn't House. It was Tucker. And that That's, was that was on Silas. That was not on House. That that is no. You know what? I I, I distinctly remember that when Levine hit his first um, his first corner three pointer, which kind of ignited that little stretch where he went on to score eleven straight points in a row. That very first corner three was against PJ Tucker, and it was on a switch. I want to say mm-hmm. um, but, three of three of the four shots he scored there were against PJ, uh, and then. The first bucket, I think it was Thaddeus Young who scored it. Thaddeus Young got the next bucket to end Levine's streak when House was guarding Levine. So it was just one of those moments where you really wonder why uh, PJ was giving given that assignment. You know what? I, I think that's actually probably uh, as good a springboard as any because, frankly, you know, we don't have that much else to talk about from the good unfortunately from this game i mean again we we had you know we saw some flashes from justin Patton. we kind of highlighted the the three guys that you know had the solid game we, we highlighted the fact that yes sterling brown's numbers looked good by the end of the night but throughout the course of the game i think by the time that you know the rockets kind of started waving the white flag he'd only had seven points uh you know it was kind of a, a kind of a quiet night overall for him but a passable night so that's a good springboard spot for us oh, to go ahead and whoa, whoa. jump in before before we get to the bad we got to least mention Nwabadabadu Tate <laughs> Barry, you know what? I will give you one one hundred percent credit for bringing up the uh, the you know Bill Worrell is just a national treasure. He really I love is. him. He, you know, he, he makes the game so entertaining. He he's he's look he, Worrell's doing his best at this point, and you know there's definitely a, you know some moments where you're kind of like scratching your head like, eh, but it was you know it was endearing, adorable to an extent. So uh, we there love some Worrell. real yeah yeah among the the good, the bad, and the ugly. We also had some funny. Absolutely. Yeah. The good, the bad, the ugly and the funny. I love that. Um, so we'll, we'll go ahead and we're going to dive into I, I think we're going to talk about uh, Stephen Silas coming up in just a moment. Kind of talk about the the questionable, you know, uh, I guess decisions that he made throughout this game with this team, as well as uh, talking about some of the individual performances that were just really, really tough to watch in this one. And we'll get there in just a quick moment after a message from our friends over at rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, which doesn't exactly seem fair, right? RockAuto.com's prices are the exact same for everybody, and they're always reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest possible prices rather than changing their prices around based on what the market will bear, kind of like what airlines do. Look, they've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tear lamps, motor oil, and even brand new carpet. So whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything, and I mean everything, that you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And be sure, this is a super important part, be sure to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com
And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Did you know that you can get more of the sports news that you need in less time with our brand new Locked on Today podcast? Peter Bukowski hosts Locked on Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked on Today wherever you get your podcasts. So chatting with Grant Currington. Now, Grant... We got to get to the bad, unfortunately. And Man, no it, fun, no fun. It, it sucks. Yeah, and look, like the, the so the bad, right? The bad here is let's let's start with the fact that the Rockets gave up 46 third quarter points because that seemed pretty awful. Um, and we'll talk about that stretch where Zach Levine just was was absolutely unconscious from the floor. And I think you were highlighting the fact that it was because Daniel House Jr. wasn't the one primarily checking him, right? Exactly. Yeah. The uh, the one time that he scored in that that set of four that you mentioned on Daniel House Jr. was an ISO, and the three other ones were off of off of assists. Or it's, I think at least two of them were off of assists. One of them was passed to him before he did it, though. And that's because PJ Tucker couldn't couldn't lock him down off ball, and that's what Daniel House was doing so well. And I, I think that there's you know we're at this point where Look, I know PJ, you know, he, he just came back from missing a few games due to his, you know, left thigh contusion or whatever it was that sidelined him, you know, temporarily. But we've been kind of at this point, this crossroads with PJ Tucker. And, you know, he's very clearly lost a step defensively. Um, you know, he can't exactly quite stick with the quicker, twitchier guards that we're seeing. And Levine is one of those guys, um, you know, a lot of speed, you know, it's, it's asking a lot of PJ Tucker to, to chase him around multiple screens around the floor, uh, trying to keep up with him and, and even guarding him individually on a one-on-one basis. But the thing that frustrates me the most about PJ Tucker, because even though, like, even if he's lost a step defensively, He's still got good defensive instincts. He's still a very high IQ defensive player. He's absolutely somebody that can quarterback your defense to an extent. But offensively, he just gives you literally nothing. And it's been so killer. And I remember literally the very first play of this game, I was already frustrated with P.J. Tucker like 40 seconds into the game uh, because it was a, I believe it was like a pick and roll and P.J. Tucker rolled to the basket. Eric Gordon was driving in and Gordon dished Tucker the ball and Tucker took like, a 0.25 second glance at the rim and then immediately decided that he was going to power dribble the ball away from the rim and then kick it back out towards Eric Gordon at the three point line. And I'm just like, dude, like he doesn't, he doesn't roll unless he, unless Tucker is hitting corner threes, he gives you nothing offensively. And the threes that he took, he missed both of them. Yeah, today he even looked hesitant to hit that corner three because going off what you're saying, there was a, there was one time where Shout out Daniel House Jr., the primary ball handler. It's Daniel lit. House, yeah, the primary ball handler. Words are hard. <laughs> oh, words are absolutely hard. It's okay. I get tongue-tied all the time on here. You primary know ball handler there you go. Daniel House Jr. drove to the rim, kicked it out to PJ with six feet of space around him, social distanced from everybody on the defense. <laughs> he pump fakes the three, waits for his man to come, drives down the baseline, and then throws it away. Yeah, it's again. I have. I'm kind of at my wits' end with PJ Tucker offensively, um, and, and I think that we, you know, in the few games that we saw where PJ Tucker was sitting out, uh, the couple games. I, I mean, the team just looks a lot more fluid offensively when PJ Tucker is not on the floor, um, and I just don't think what he gives you defensively at this <clears throat> point is 
is worth the lack of offense. And it's just, you know, you could make you can make up for it when you have a generational type player, somebody who has all that gravity that James Harden has. Um, that's where a PJ Tucker can kind of make his bread and butter um, is by playing alongside a player like that, which is why I still think that PJ Tucker absolutely has value for a contender and why he still has trade value for this Rockets team to try and offload him at the deadline. But watching him on a consistent basis with this team, things will probably look a little bit better once Christian Wood returns, but that's still not good enough in my eyes for him to be on this team past the trade deadline. He has run his course as a Houston Rocket, which sucks to say because I love P.J. Tucker. I love what he brings on the basketball floor on a nightly basis. I love his energy. I love his tenacity. I love that he's a team player. Um, Love everything about the guy, but it's just the time has come, unfortunately, for the Rockets to move on from him. Um, so I feel like we've 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 gone in pretty hard on PJ Tucker here, but there were three other guys that definitely oh, deserve man. to be uh, highlighted in, in this one. And I, we're gonna start Ben McLemore because that's probably just a pretty quick hitting one. And Benny Mac is now uh, what was it? I tweeted it during the game, so it was two of two 24, for twenty four. Yep. And then he he had only attempted two, so he is now two for twenty seven on his last twenty seven three point attempts, which is just a painful number for somebody who is supposed to be a quote unquote, uh, you know, three point threat or sniper. He's absolutely he was putting com- on a clinic. Yeah. just, just has completely fallen off the face of the earth when it comes to his shooting, um, which is just horrendous for the Rockets because you would ideally like to get something for him at the deadline, but he's completely, uh, tanking his trade value right now. So I would, you know, it'd be a, a stretch to even imagine the Rockets being able to get a second round draft pick for him at this point, unfortunately. So he had a struggle, you know, a pretty rough game. But then the last two guys, and I don't, and Grant, I don't know if, you know, you, you can disagree or agree with me here, however you want to go about it. I'm pretty it, sure but, I'm going to agree. You're going to well, <laughs> tell me John Wall and Eric Gordon, right? I mean, well, yes, but, uh, but I was, gonna, what I was going to lead into is they have been, in the absence of Christian Wood, they have been the two players who have been the most consistent. And so to me, it's it's just it's frustrating that they both had a night where they both played really abysmally on the same night because they've both been the two guys who have been the absolute most consistent just throughout this entire season, but especially in the absence of Christian Wood. So it's hard for me to want to go go in on them too hard because there have been plenty of games where they've brought it, where they've been the only two that have brought it and nobody else has stepped up. And then it just so happens that they ha- they both have a game in the same game where they both struggle. And then it's the one game where everybody else seemingly steps up. Daniel House has a good game. Tate has another good one. Uh, Nwaba off the bench. Sterling Brown goes four for four. Granted, a couple of those were garbage time, sure. But it, it kind of felt like the inverse where it's like, okay, your two top dogs are now having a bad game, but everybody else steps up. And it just feels like almost just uh, you know a very very unlucky turn of events for these guys. So is it, should we kind of go hard on them for this? Or should we give them a little bit of slack because they've been consistently producing? See, I don't think we should be hard on them for it, but I think there's plenty for us to talk about from it. For instance, like you were just talking about how P.J. Tucker is our uh, quarterback of the defense. Well, Eric Gordon does that very, very effectively as well. And so when we're talking about P.J. Tucker's value on the floor, it's it's the same same concept of supply and demand. We have that in supply with Eric Gordon. So he did a good job on the defensive end. He just didn't show up offensively tonight. And then John Wall, the thing that I've noticed lately, he – We've said he's really consistent, but he's been inconsistent during the games. He'll have a really good first half and a really poor second half like he had against Washington, or he'll have a really poor uh, first half and a really good second half like he had against the 76ers. 
And I, I, I completely agree on the inconsistency angle for John Wall. And, you know, I think that this is something that I spoke with uh, uh, Nathan Fogg about uh, in a recent episode is it feels like Wall is, you know, in the absence of Christian Wood trying to trying to do too much sometimes, trying to shoulder too much of the offensive load. And unfortunately, that's just not who he is at this point in his career. You know, at one point in time, he could absolutely be that that 30 and 10 nightly guy um, or that 25 and 10 assists nightly guy, you know, creating offense for others and getting his own 20, 25 points, uh, you know, on a pretty efficient basis by driving to the rim. But you know, nowadays it, it kind of feels like he's still capable of that in spurts. Um, and there's points where he can kind of start taking over a game, but you know, then he goes through spells in the game where, you know, he go he drives to the basket multiple possessions in a row, can't get any foul calls, is struggling to finish at the rim. And you're right, he's been kind of night and day sometimes from half to half where he'll step up big time in the first half and then struggle in the second half or vice versa. And it's that inconsistency within the game that is causing issues for the Rockets and they're having inconsistencies offensively because of it. I agree. The, uh, the other thing that what you were just telling me kind of brought up in my mind was the thing about John Wall is he used to be able to, like you said, get his and make sure everybody else got theirs. And now I feel like sometimes we see him trying to be, and I don't, I don't want to talk about the past, but trying to be the same guy James Harden was where he would distribute until he had to turn it on and create offense. And that's a very, very difficult talent to have to just be able to turn it on and create offense yourself rather than whenever you feel like it's necessary rather than letting the flow of the game come to you. Absolutely agree there. It's it's a very unique uh, switch that certain players have. And I do think that John Wall has it or, or had it uh, at one point in his career. Um, it might be a little bit harder for him to turn on and off now at this point. Um, and that's, I think, something that we're seeing him struggle with a little bit is maybe trying to be a little bit too much of the old vintage John Wall at times and just unfortunately not having enough in the tank to get it done. Um, but I do want to talk there. There's a few other elements that I want to highlight here. A couple of the defensive breakdowns in this game. want to talk about, uh, I, I definitely want to talk about uh, Kobe white and how effective he was. Uh, he had a really strong game against the Rockets and there were some defensive lapses there. Also want to hear from coach Silas as well, because he had um, some very, uh, very uh, upset thoughts after this game. Uh, you know, he was pretty irate about how the Rockets started this game and how they had that uh, breakdown in that third quarter. So we're going to get there in just a quick moment after a message from our friends over at betonline.ag. Look, BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and NHL are all in full swing. And look, speaking of full swing, MLB is also right around the corner. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You can get real-time, updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets, and it's 100% free to sign up. So head over to the website and use promo code LOCK on to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. So again, that's promo code locked on L O C K E D O N for a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit bet online, your online sportsbook experts. 
And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Look, 2020 is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and you want more wins, listen to Locked on Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked on Bets wherever you get your podcasts. So wrapping up, uh, you know, coming into our final segment here, chatting with Grant Currington, uh, collaborator for Into the Lab podcast, uh, as well as Blue Collar Media Group. Grant, uh, you know, the, the points that I wanted to bring up specifically before we move on to our, uh, we've got a surprise little segment here in segment three, uh, a, a fresh new segment here at Locked on Rockets that we're going to get to in just a moment and have a little fun with. Uh, but before we get there, I want to I wrap up a couple more thoughts about this uh, Rockets-Bulls game. And my biggest thing is the, the defensive breakdowns in that third quarter were kind of the, you know, Really, it was it was that that was the point where the game started to really get away from them and fall apart. Yes, they were kind of struggling offensively a little bit a little bit in this one, but it was only a six point deficit at halftime. Um, you know, they were very much in this game and they started to fall apart in that third quarter. So, in fact, actually, let's let's hear what Steven Silas had to say about that really quick before we dive into our thoughts about it. It's a pride thing. It's a togetherness thing. It's a um not even like an attention to details thing or scheme thing or whatever. It's like a mindset thing. And um, at some point the, the mindset needs to change because it is not, I mean, the way we're starting games, 22 to seven to start the game, you got to fight so hard to come back, right? And then the third quarter, we give up 46 points <laughs> yeah, we just got to do better. That was Steven Silas highlighting just this this really abysmal effort by the Rockets both from the from the beginning of the game and just especially the the breakdown in the in the third quarter unfortunately. And from what I saw, you know, not only were the Rockets getting away from what you know what what they what they do well defensively which is again st- you know switching effectively doing it almost on a subconscious level um you know doing it doing it seamlessly they were very much kind of at times just you know very very much ball watching not very not not focusing not having good you know off ball defensive awareness as we've kind of highlighted um some of the struggles with containing La- Zach Levine in that third quarter but i also thought Kobe White did a phenomenal job in this game of finding ways to get himself open by moving off ball but also really Really, just outrunning the Rockets in transition. I really felt like Kobe White. He had two, maybe three different layups in transition, where he literally just beat every other Rockets player down the, you know, the the length of the court. And that, to me, is just an effort thing. Like the Rockets are just not playing with the right level of effort, and it's kind of a thing where. Even when, even though they've got those guys who, you know, David Nwaba, Jay Sean Tate, Sterling Brown, who play with these really high motors, um, it, it feels like some of the other guys in the lineup are not putting that that 100% effort into the game, and, and so then they're kind of fi- finding themselves in these lapses where they're just falling behind. Do you do you kind of agree with that? Do you share the same sentiment? Oh, I feel I feel that completely. Shout out at Aki Akizi on Twitter for calling before the game that Kobe White was going to run us up and down the court. Um, he's a Rockets fan too. And he, he called that perfectly, but, uh, it was, I mean, I definitely think Silas is right about the fact that there wasn't a whole lot of togetherness on the court during that time. And I think Bill Worrell called it out, not Matt Bullard, that there's a lot of guys on the team who haven't had that many practices because of injuries and stuff. But 
after a five-day break, that should be a game where we've had much more polished rotations because we've had four or five days to practice, get everything running. They were absolutely killing us in the paint. After uh, Bill Worrell asked what kind of finish that was from Nwaba, I think late in the third, <clears throat> right before Zach Levine hit his first three, so I guess that was early in the third, sorry, uh, right before Zach Levine hit his first three, the a little words are hard again i can't <laughs> the, the, the little box on the broadcast right the, the yeah stat yeah box. yeah thank you uh we're not gonna find the word it's fine it showed up that said that there were <laughs> you're good man graphic a graphic there we go graphic up. hey where do words are tough man i lose words them all the are time. so hard i'm so sorry uh a little graphic popped up saying for points in the paint and the bulls had 44 as opposed to the rockets 28 and at that point Right before Zach Levine hit that three, the score was 61-45 Bulls, which is also a 16-point difference. So up until that mid-third quarter, everything had been lining up pretty well besides our paint defense. Yeah, and I mean, for the game, I, I remember, you know, highlighting in my notes somewhere, uh, where did I have it? At, at the half, I mean, both teams were were largely struggling from behind the arc. The Rockets were just 7 of 23 at the halftime mark, and then the Bulls were just 4 of 16. So neither team was shooting very well from behind the arc. Um, and then that, that, that deficit just kind of started to grow in the third quarter. And then the bulls wound up having, uh, that ridiculous 46 point quarter where they shot 76% from the floor. Um, and they went seven of nine from behind the arc in that quarter. So the bulls managed to finish the game shooting 15 of 36 from behind the arc for 41.7%. Um, the rockets shooting just, uh, a, a paltry 32.5%, which is better than the, what they've been doing on the regular, but it's it's still just not a great number. You'd like to see them uh, ideally back up around that league average number of around 35, 36%. Um, but unfortunately, they just have not been able to have any consistent uh, you know, threat from behind the three-point arc in this season, it feels like. Um, and then to highlight the points in the paint discrepancy, uh, by the tail end of the game, or you know, at, as the, uh, the the final total, I should say, uh, the Bulls wound up winning that battle 58 to 48, and they also wound up wound up winning the battle of the boards uh, 55 to 46, which is hey, that's really no surprise in a game where again they rolled out the small ball lineup to start the game, and I think ultimately the biggest issue was the fact that Silas saw that that lineup had you know struggled mightily to start the game and then decided to stick with that lineup and roll out the exact same lineup to start the second half even though he saw how effective David Nwaba was being in this game how effective uh, Justin Patton was in stretches in this game and I think that had Silas decided to maybe shake up the lineup a little bit and maybe uh, bench PJ Tucker or or shift the lineup down and bench uh, you know Jay Sean Tate maybe or Daniel House Jr. and bring in some size in that starting lineup or even or even subbing out one of the guys who was struggling subbing out PJ Tucker for David Nwaba to start the second half I think that very much could have changed the flow of the game um, but unfortunately they found themselves down big after Zach Levine started to get hot in that third quarter then the rest of the Bulls started raining fire and it basically became all she wrote because the the Rockets found themselves down uh, what was it 174 going into the third down 26 they were down by as many as 31 in this game and I mean that's that's pretty much it they just uh, they could not contain the Bulls in the third quarter the defense continued to unravel they got wide open shot after wide open shot and the Bulls converted on a lot of them so you got to tip your cap to the Bulls just like the Rockets hung a pair of 48 point quarters on uh what was it the Pelicans and uh who was the other team the Kings I think oh no it definitely wasn't the Kings because no? they played the Kings two times the, earlier this yeah season. I thought it was the second time we played them 
Uh, it was during the seven game winning streak. It was, oh, the, th- the thunder. There we go. Oh, um, yes. so I knew it was one of the back to, or one of the, one of the mini series. Yeah. No worries. Man. I was thinking of the Kings. Um, Sorry about that. No but worries. Yeah. Um, so they, you know, the they, thing, they, they, the they had dropped it. the, they had dropped those, those two 48 point quarters. And you know, when, when a team gets hot, a team gets hot, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot you can do about it, unfortunately, but you know, in this one, the Rockets definitely felt like they, you know, they, exacerbated things by not playing their best level of defense, even though the Bulls were hitting at an insane clip in the third quarter, they didn't step up to the plate defensively is my main takeaway. And so building on that, I think something that we hear a lot from NBA analysts, coaches, everybody, anybody associated with the NBA is momentum is real. And when a team is scoring on you and creating that momentum. If you're not scoring back, you're not taking anything out of them. And so part of our biggest issue is our need for a lob passer and just consistent offense. House kept running to the rim on open breaks. Patton had a couple times when he went to go for a lob. Neither time, one time, Wall completely looked off House and threw it the other way. And then the other times, nobody put up a good lob. It's a... One of those things where if we throw down a dunk and shake up their confidence a little bit, sometimes they don't go on those 46-point quarter runs. And this was something that uh, – a final point on this before we get to our little surprise segment here, which we'll, we'll, we'll deliver it uh, quick-hitting quick, <laughs> quick quick style. Um, but uh, one thing that Calvin Murphy highlighted at halftime, this is something that I preach pretty much on the regular, is – you know, when you're not making shots offensively, what happens? You miss a shot, especially when you're missing, you know, a, a large volume of three pointers. Those tend to be long rebounds, which ignite transition opportunities for the opposing team. And so by literally not making shots, you're forcing yourself into playing transition defense, which the Rockets have not been a great transition defense team, unfortunately. And by by forcing yourself into that position, you're allowing the other team easier opportunities to score before you can get your defense set. And so it's this kind of vicious circle where by by having a bad offense you then start to have a bad defense and then by by struggling on defense you start to hang your head offensively and it just kind of snowballs and builds you know and I, I get fights I get into fights with my dad all the time because he's he's very much a uh a de- you know he preaches defense, defense above all else he's yeah, yeah he's, he's he's very old school style basketball and you know I preached him all the time I'm like yes defense is definitely important but if they hit just a few more of their shots offensively they wouldn't be putting themselves in such a predicament defensively in transition and etc and he 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 and I fight about that all the time um, I mean it, it really is a big thing especially for a lot of teams that are better in the half court defense than in the full court defense and that's definitely where we are right now Absolutely. Um, so let's let's go ahead, Grant. You know, I, I feel like we've kind of tied a pretty little ribbon on this this loss for the Rockets, and unfortunately, um, you know, there's there's a lot of questions, of, you know, surrounding this team moving forward. And uh, of course, I will keep everybody posted with those thoughts and opinions uh, here on Locked On Rockets. But we're gonna get this uh, little surprise segment in here. So we have got for you our very own new segment here at Locked On Rockets, Trash Take Tuesday. And we have two very horrible takes for you. Uh, so I'll tell you what, Grant, you do the honors. You introduce the very first trash take on Locked on Rockets. All right. So for my trash take Tuesday submission, I have, I think it was two or three days ago, <clears throat> Kendrick Perkins on Twitter. Well, former NBA pl- player, but he tweeted this. Uh, <laughs> Kendrick Perkins tweeted, Joel Embiid is the 245-pound Hakeem Olajuwon. Look at that footwork. That's possibly the worst take I've read in the last six months. Yeah, just yeah, I, I I saw that and I was like, and I was like, real like like you know I try to like Perkins because 
you know, he, he it felt like he was one of the only national media guys that was giving the Rockets like any of their their you know due due respect. You know, over the last you know six to eight months or so, it felt like especially when the Rockets were in the bubble, he was kind of uh, you know he always had their back a little bit. It kind of felt like um, you know highlighting Harden, Westbrook, and trying to give them give them some props. So it's hard for me to hate on Perkins a lot, but that take is just uh. it it hurt me to read it like. <laughs> I, I I didn't know what to say about like, it. Like did did I, he never like did he never watch Hakeem play? Like I mean, Embiid, you'd have to like, assume that like Embiid is talented. Sure, there's no doubt about that. But comparing him to Hakeem is such an overstep that it's just mind boggling. It is. It is. He took the most skilled big in the take. history of the NBA and said, "This guy who's looking like an MVP candidate is the most skilled big who ever played, but bigger." <laughs> Just Kendrick Perkins with a, a you know a, a very very strong submission for the first ever Trash Take Tuesday submission. Um, now I've got I've got a a, a pretty strong follow up on this, and the the issue with this one is technically speaking it is factual, and that's the problem. <laughs> but but it's a technicality because it's still such BS, and that is Nate Duncan, who I'm sure if you did not see it, first off. Murder was committed on live live TV when Anthony Edwards just absolutely ended the career of uh, Yuta Watanabe, just completely posterizing him it, with with arguably right now it is easily the dunk of the year right now. Um, if you haven't seen it, please go look up the highlight. It is just complete massacre. It happened Friday night. Uh, it was ridiculous. Two nineteen. Don't forget it. Um, so then that's that that very same night. Later that evening, or moments after the dunk, I think, actually, Nate Duncan decides to tweet out, Anthony Edwards all over Twitter tonight with the dunk of the year. Okay, off to a good start. Then he goes, he also has seven points on three of 14 shooting, 0 of seven on threes. And Nate got ratioed to ever-living hell on this tweet because, like, appreciate the dunk dude it's it was a monster jam who cares what the rest of anthony edwards stat line was who cares if he was one for 20 for the rest of the night if that one made shot was a poster where you ended a man's entire career just appreciate the ridiculous feat of athleticism that that was don't sit there and look up his stat sheets and be like a stat nerd and just be like well actually um he only did like just no like actually just appreciate the greatness that you're seeing on the court so that's my submission for trash take because even though it was factually correct he was, you know, he 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 was doing doing that thing that national, you know, that that you know NBA media guys do, and that's you know bringing a bad name to NBA media guys by going, well, it was a cool dunk, but he was oh you know oh seven behind the arc. It's like, what does that have to do with anything? Just appreciate the greatness, man. My uh my two favorite things in relation to that dunk and tweet, one at Persius Oset. I'm not sure how to say that guy's at, but. He he responded to Nate with, "You must be fun at parties. You guys are having a good time, but Lisa over here is unemployed and in debt." <laughs> That's like just God. I mean, <sighs> that was my favorite response to the tweet. And then in relation to the dunk, uh, new Toronto Raptor teammate DeAndre Bembry said or tweeted today, 
or yesterday, I guess. Lol, I got hit in the face by the ball today. That's karma from letting my Utah get dunked on. Oh, man. I mean, you could just go through the response, right? There's so many great responses to this. Um, Tim McMahon from ESPN came in right underneath him and just, you know, with a gift saying fun police, which is absolutely true. Like, you know, why, why do you have to, you know, and another person coming under saying, you know, no one cares, dad, LOL. And it's like, you know, he again, he was technically correct, but who cares? You know, stop being the fun police. Stop trying to take the fun out of the game of basketball. Just appreciate what we what you saw on the court. And so that's my submission. So we've got our, our two submissions for Trash Take Tuesday. And I'll tell you what, if you're listening to this, jump in. We're going to put a poll uh, under under this episode and and see which take was worse. The uh, the Joel Embiid, Hakeem Olajuwon take or Nate Duncan and uh, not appreciating Anthony Edwards dunk take or, or at least highlighting the facts behind Anthony De- Edwards uh, game in that one. So we'll, we'll put out that poll and we can see which one uh, wins the uh, the trash take Tuesday award, I guess, uh, since we have two of Jackson, them. And I'm taking you one to know. I'm taking you one to know. Hey, man, if you win on your very first guest pod ever and the very first appearance of uh, of of trash take Tuesday, then buy, a, you know, more power to you, man. I will be totally impressed. What what a debut for you. <laughs> a better oh, debut man. than Justin Patton. <laughs> <laughs> man, couldn't. Couldn't be more more blessed. Listeners, help me out here. <laughs> All right, man. Well, Grant, that's gonna do it. Um, we're gonna go ahead and call that uh, call that a call that a show. Um, as always, you know the drill. Go ahead and let everybody know where they can check out your content at. Y'all can find me on at Curington Grant on Twitter. Uh, I post mostly Rockets related content, and then I'm working with the Blue Collar Media Group and Into the Lab podcast. So I'm on the Into the Lab podcast every Wednesday. And I'm probably going to start a pod during the summer. All right, man. Well, we are looking forward to it. As soon as you get that pod started up, I will absolutely look forward to having a chance to uh, be a guest on your podcast. That'd be something, right? Man, I would. You'll be the first one on the list, Jackson. Absolutely. I love it, man. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, thanks again for stopping by. It was a great time having you on here and being able to uh, you know, have a little fun breaking down this Bulls game with you. Appreciate you, Jackson. I had a good time too, man. All right. For today's episode of Locked on Rockets, that is going to do it. As always, thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.